Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day. And man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. It's that time of year, Mary's boy child is coming, which means faith, friends, family, feelings, as well as silly songs, stress, and sadness for some. I'm Aaron Zimmerman, your co-host with Jacob Smith of Mockingbird's Same Old Song podcast, the weekly lectionary podcast that helps you dig into the Sunday readings, whether you're a preacher or a pew sitter. So grab a cup of eggnog, open up your Bible, and let's dig in. A king was born today. We are back for another episode of Same Old Song. Here we are, uh, and we are recording for the first Sunday after Christmas. Now, for everybody listening who's following the RCL, for some reason, the Episcopal Church is uh, got a different RCL reading. So most um, groups, whether you're a Presbyterian, Lutheran, or a Methodist following the RCL, you are doing uh, the Feast of the Holy Innocents, those readings. And I think that that's probably why there's this discrepancy is because we have an appointed feast day on Feast of the Holy Innocents, uh, um, and so that would be done on that Saturday, so we have our own unique readings. But nonetheless, uh, we hope that this will be helpful and uh, contribute to your devotional life. Yeah, so the readings uh, for mm. the RCL brothers and sisters out there are going to have you dealing with Herod slaughtering all the children in Bethlehem. It's pretty intense, uh, and um, as Jake said, the Episcopal Church has that feast day the day before, Saturday the 28th. So um, just mm. know that if you are preaching those texts, uh, it's a hard passage. Tread lightly. Tread lightly. <laughs> uh, don't bring in, I would encourage you not to bring in political debates ab- about um, Roe versus Wade into that uh, text because this is primarily a pastoral <laughs> issue that connects with people about grief and about loss. And um, to the extent that you can talk about the Bible giving us uh, permission to acknowledge our grief and our loss um, and the fact that God does not forget or abandon us even when it feels like that. Um, that is sort of the main idea here. And knowing, obviously, that, that Christ himself enters into our suffering and our grief and um, yeah. and all that. So that's what we would say about that. Um, and, yeah, go ahead, Jake. And that's that's an appropriate that's an appropriate thing because we are in the midst of the holidays. Um, so, you know, uh, Everybody freaks out about saying holidays and Starbucks's red cup, but you know traditionally we are in the midst of the twelve days of Christmas. We're in the fifth day of Christmas, and uh, the holidays came because you had Christmas Day, and then the next day you had Saint Stephen's Day, you had Saint John the Apostle Day, then you had the Feast of the Holy Innocents to sober everyone up, and then the first uh, Sunday after Christmas, so the fifth day of after Christmas, and this is really uh, the holidays, the holy days of the year, and so. Um, we're here, and uh, and really, there's a lot of people probably, you know, who um, who's going to come to your church, uh, people who haven't gone home yet, you know, the older son that hasn't gone home yet, um, and his kids are here for one more day, and they're all spun on sugar and eggnog. Um, continue to drink eggnog, continue to eat candy canes for the next several days. It's completely fine and uh, endorsed by the church. 
Um, and then uh, but also you'll have uh, visitors, a few visitors maybe straggle through. Uh, the choir will be a little low because they're all spent and you've blown your budget, your 2019 budget on the music at Christmas Eve. So um, take it easy and uh, give uh, people a gentle word, uh, the word of hope and the word of comfort this day. And uh, really, these are offered in uh, the first day, Sunday after Christmas readings. For sure. And uh, and so in the Episcopal churches, and by the way, again, the Episcopal church is not doing the regular RCL this Sunday. We have these readings appointed every year for the first Sunday after Christmas. Um, and by the way, if you uh, are Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran uh, siblings out there, if you guys want to use the Episcopal church reading Sunday, I give you permission. I don't know if your jurisdiction's done, <laughs> but Jake and I fully endorse using these readings because I actually mm -hmm. think they're really wonderful and fitting with the, this yeah. time of year, um, this first Sunday after Christmas, this keeps up the kind of the rejoicing and the high note. And also you get the John 1 reading, which many of you will have read if you had a Christmas Day service. But again, many non-Episcopal, non-Catholic churches are not going to have an actual Christmas Day service. Mm -hmm. um, so if you didn't have one of those where you'd read John 1, this gives you a great opportunity to read this chapter of, the, of John's Gospel that kind of gives you the... Zoom out big picture of what happened in Christmas. John 1 is not thought of as a Christmas reading, but it tells you the big cosmic perspective on the Christmas story. So if you want to do these readings and you're not Episcopalian, go right ahead. And for all you Episcopalians out there who will be using these readings, uh, here we go. We begin with Isaiah 61. Jake, go. <laughs> well, this is uh, towards the end of um, the prophet Isaiah and uh, um all things are kind of um, in shambles, but kind of coming back, part of third Isaiah. And um, uh, and uh, the prophet Isaiah says, you know, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord, and my whole being shall exalt in my God. Um, and really, and the question is why? Because we've been covered in uh, salvation. We've been robed in righteousness. Um, and the uh, all of these things which are in shambles now are being brought together and made whole because of this babe in a manger. And uh, really, um, uh, uh, this is, and Isaiah has a vision of this and he's given a word and it just bubbles up in him. And he says that he cannot keep silent nor can he rest. And indeed, the coming of this Christ child that drives us to the cross, um, as, uh, as Rowan Williams said, God's engine room is just so counterintuitive that it's really, really glorious. And it, it is the redemption of all things. Yeah, and I think the emphasis here is God's action. As, as Jake, you rightly said, mm -hmm. uh, the people of Israel are uh, at a low point when Isaiah is writing this. Uh, everything has ended. And uh, the idea that they could fix themselves, restore themselves, all that um, is sort of uh, laughable. And so what the prophet says is that God has clothed me with garments of salvation. God has covered me with the robe of righteousness. So this is another picture of how God works with human beings, which is not to partner with us or to cooperate with us or kind of, um, you know, God, yeah. uh, God gives us free will. And so we have to do what we have to do to make ourselves better. This is um, God taking people who can't do anything and clothing them and covering them with righteousness. Yeah. Um, and it uses this even more wonderful imagery. It's like as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland or a bride adorns herself with jewels. Like those are happy moments. Those are times of covering, you know, picture a bride or groom covering him or herself. I remember when I got ready for my wedding uh, that morning, like, you know, 
I, I don't have a long morning beauty routine, but I took some extra care and made sure I was lint-free and that my <laughs> hair was parted correctly and all those sorts of things. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you're getting yourself ready, and, and this, is this, this is the same heart behind God um, clothing you with salvation. It's a message that He does it. He does it lovingly. He does it with, a, with delight. He does it with kind of a tenderness in His eye. Um, and all that is is here in God's love for us. So the emphasis, again, is mm. not on us doing it with God, but God doing for us what mm. we can't do for ourselves in saving us. Yeah, and then um, uh, our epistle reading is from Galatians chapter uh, 3, going all the way to 4, verse uh, 7. This is a really powerful um, uh, theological explanation of what uh, Jesus has come to do and his relation actually to the law. This is one of these critical uh, texts in the Christian faith, um, which explains, um, yeah, uh, the, the purpose of the coming of Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection. And uh, whenever you see, especially right here in Galatians, Paul talk about faith, just replace it with whatever is going to get you through the middle of the night and into the age that is to come. So when you read this passage, Oreos. you can see like now before, yeah, yeah, Oreos. Uh, yeah, now before Oreos came, uh, we nope, that doesn't work. Um, before my Peloton came, nope, that doesn't work either. Um, still imprisoned by the Peloton. And so um, the Peloton is actually seculosity completely lived mm-hmm. out. And so I don't have to ever engage anybody. I'm just in my own um, virtual gym. It's just me and Kelly Jenkins doing 30 minutes of Tabata every day, and um, my life is lonelier and better for for it. And for those of you that are wondering which (laughs) same old song host is more righteous, I think we now know the answer to that question. Mm. Me. Yeah, that's right. So, but before Jesus came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until Jesus would be revealed. Mm. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by Jesus. But now that Jesus has come, we are no longer subject to the disciplinarian. The idea being is that the law here, um, the law exposes who we actually are. And the law is doing its job, its one job, and that is to constrain humanity from, um, uh, from, from ourselves. But now that Jesus has come, uh, uh, this the fullness of time has come. God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as children. The point is, is that Jesus has come and lived that life fully under the law to set us free from the disciplinarian so that we are no longer distant from the Father, but actually have a full relationship with him. So there is so much going on here in the manger than just a children's story. This is a profound truth that enables you to call God Father. Yeah, so the... The, the, this text has so much packed in such a short space. It is the gospel. It's a full kind of law gospel uh, kind of foundational thing here. Yeah. And, and basically, uh, the main ideas you would communicate to your congregation is that there's a huge before and after, like a huge distinction between what life was like before Christ and what life is like after Christ. Uh, and there's a huge indictment, in a sense, of trying to live life under the law and sort of saying that it's not the way we live under anymore. We're no longer subject to a disciplinarian, as the NRSV translation has it. The word in Greek there is pedagogos. It's like the 
you know, like a pedagogue or pedagogy, like education, that sort of thing. Teacher, uh, schoolmaster is the old word. I mean, the idea is like a schoolmaster who would sort of uh, paddle you if you stepped out of line. That's what the law was. And it is effective in producing grudging obedience, but it is not effective in creating the kind of hearts that God wants. And so this is what the passage is saying. There's something new, faith in Christ as opposed to our own obedience to a law. And so Christ is born under that law, under that same system. He takes takes our place in that. Um, and we now are adopted as children. So, and this is part of Paul's big argument, like you, you can be a servant in God's household or a slave in God's household where, you know, you be obedient so you don't get punished. That's one way to live. And that's no way to live. And in Christianity, the way is that we are adopted as kids. And so this Abba Father language, that's, that's basically saying... Um, you can say to your congregation, do you want to be the kind of person who moves through life and is no longer terrified and is no longer anxious, but rests in the fact that they are loved? Um, you know, Paul Tillich talks, and Paul Tillich's controversial, not everybody likes him, but David Brooks was quoting him on his chapter on St. Augustine in his Road to Character book, and he talks uh, about Tillich saying this, uh, this idea of accepting the fact that you're accepted. Most people don't accept that fact. Most people accept the fact that they're worthless, accept the fact that they're not living up to their standards, accept the fact that they're, you know, a big pile of doo-doo. That's how many people move through the world, and it affects them every single day. Uh, this idea of being an adopted child, of being able to call God Abba Father, means that you are no longer slave, but a child. You are accepted. You are loved. You are precious. You're, you're in. You can't ever be more in. Um, and this is what God has done in Christ. And so this is why this message comes at, at Christmas, uh, for Sunday after Christmas. And I think there's a, your people are already beginning to feel that New Year's Day, New Year's resolution pressure. They will be getting emails from every, from Peloton, from any, from their, people are going to be signing them up for Strava premium memberships. They're going to be joining the gym. And the message of Galatians 3 is that God is your Abba Father. You're adopted as his child. You're beloved. And so rest in that. That's the message of Galatians 3. Mm -hmm. Don't go to the gym. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then um, this pulls us to uh, finally probably one of the most uh, uh, profound uh, sections of the scripture. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18. Uh, St. John unfolds the incarnation for us or unpacks the incarnation for us and uh, does it in a very uh, theological way. Um, yeah, so uh, you've ever wondered what go went on before time? Well, John takes us mm. there. Um, he takes us before the very time itself. He takes us to, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things you can say on this passage. Um, but this is also, this is basically... Um, I mean, I wouldn't talk about all this on Christmas, but I think that this is really interesting. There's a lot of like new scholarship coming out that actually says that this isn't some super Greek text connected with the Greeks. This is actually a very Hebraic text. And a lot of theologians like Richard Bauckham, who talk about how this is a, an Aramaic Midrash commentary on Genesis chapter 1, actually, and the word of the Lord who continues to visit Israel throughout the Old Testament um, instead of the angel of the Lord, this apparition of Jesus that visits um, uh, Israel throughout its uh, throughout the throughout the scriptures there. So, but nonetheless, the point is is that Jesus has always. Ex I know. <laughs> oh, sorry, you lost me at, at midrash. I dozed off. Sorry. 
Thank you for illustrating my point, Aaron. No, but that's... Do not preach that that's way. That's good stuff. And but it's, it's interesting. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. But you are absolutely right. You're going to kill your congregation. The point is, <laughs> is that Jesus has always existed before the foundations right. of the world. He is God. He was with God. It's not he was lesser than God or he's greater than God or God's plan B. He is the very word incarnate from the very beginning before time itself. And the, the link here to the Galatians <clears throat> passage is this language of being children of God. That's the main thing of Galatians 3. You are God's child uh, through what Christ has done for you. Mm -hmm. You could not be, you can't sever that relationship. You Again, you are in, you are beloved, um, and this is not rooted in some sort of transitory human thing. That's what John means when he says, you know, you're a child not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man. And some people uh, translate that the will of a husband. Like it's not because two people, uh, when two people love each other very much, um, it's mm -hmm. not birds and the bees. This is a spiritual, uh, uh, unassailable, unendable um, relationship between, and it's not rooted in anything temporary. Uh, it's 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 rooted in God. You are His child now because of this. And then you know that incredible thing: the Word became flesh. The mind blowing idea that the Logos of God, the Word that was present at creation and through whom all things were made, becomes. A human being, and uh, I mean, it's you, that's it right. Blows and your he mind. comes, he comes into the, and he comes into a world that um, isn't basically good. He doesn't come into a world that just needs a little bit of help. He comes into the world um, that is dark, and um, and the world does not know him, nor is it really interested in knowing him. But uh, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. And uh, this is a very powerful thing, and it's not born of any like decision of ours that's not born of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. He chooses us, and he blesses us and enables us to believe. And that word dwells among us, becomes flesh and dwells among us, full of grace and truth. But we come to the key part of this passage, and it is from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. But the law indeed was given through Moses. But grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. The disciplinarian is given to you through Moses. But the fulfillment of it, the grace and the truth, is given to us in the person in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and this, uh, again, more than any other passage, except maybe the Galatians one, makes clear, and some stuff in Hebrews, by the way, makes clear this really dis huge distinction between the two ways of approaching God. And one is a way where you are trying to make God happy by being good, and one is a way where you realize that God loves you fully and completely, has called you his own, has made you his child, has redeemed you, has washed you, has cleaned you, has sanctified you, has done all these things, and brings grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And so uh, there is a clear distinction here, and uh, viva la différence. And I would say, you know, uh, I think, uh, and I'll just tell you people, if you want to know what I'm going to preach in this passage, is to not go with your instinct about God. And that's what it means at the end of this passage. No one has ever seen that's God. Right. Many people will say, I think God is like, meh. Fill in the blank. And they'll and the thing is when we come up with our own ideas about God, they're almost always wrong. They're usually things like they're always Yeah. Wrong. So God is either seen as kind of this distant uh, kind of force that is really capricious. We don't know how God will work or the universe or whatever. It's just sort of far away. Or we'll think that God is this 
kind of mean taskmaster, or that we'll think God is just sort of like this benign grandfatherly figure that, uh, you know, doesn't really care about much, and you know, and that's all wrong. And uh, And most of us operate actually with sort of the second vision that God is this person that we must please with our actions. And even if we wouldn't use God language, everybody out there is trying to please somebody or some standard with their actions and always feels in some extent like not measuring up. And if you just go with your gut on God, that's what you will think. If, however, you have a revelation, which you do from John 1, that God is actually the one who is revealed in Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. This is the miraculous thing. It's It would not be news if God was just law. That's actually what we expect. The unexpected thing is that God comes with grace, and that's in the person of Jesus Christ. So this is the this is the wonderful thing at Christmas, and it's just echoed again, as we said last time for the Christmas Eve episode, like this is why God comes as a baby, so that we know that he comes with grace and truth, not to judge. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, I'm a professional. Yeah, I do. I think you're absolutely right. Um, It is not about, um, and I think what John reminds us is that it's not about what you feel God is like. It's about who he said he is. Um, This is the meaning in our liturgy, the mystery of faith. You know, the mystery is not something you have to figure out, but the the mystery is the revelation of God, and he has come to us. You want to know who God is. Don't go with your feelings. Don't go with your gut. Go with as he's revealed in his word in Jesus. And so, um, yeah, whenever the church has gone with its gut or gone with its feeling, nine times out of ten, all, ten times out of ten, it's led people astray. It's, uh, it's, uh, and, um, and when you've gone with your gut, you've, you've gone astray. So go with who Jesus is. is much better than you could possibly imagine. Yeah, and I think, and that's a good place to leave it. Yeah, and well, I'll, I won't. I can't. Let you have the last word. I want. I do want to say one thing, and I believe <laughs> I said this last year uh, this year, and and uh, um, I want you to know that uh, one of the best things uh, about Christ coming as a child, as as Luther says, is that he comes as a baby, so that um, so that it will God will draw people to Himself. Um, this wonderful, approachable, beautiful thing. So, so Luther says, look at the Christ child and look at him playing on his mother's lap, and just just come. Uh, and so that's that's kind of what this is is getting to. Uh, this thing of Christ the Lord um, born, and that's what people will be thinking about, and that's what you want to give your people. So look up that look up that Luther quote if you need another Amen. illustration. That's great. See that Christ child come to him, this baby gurgling, laughing, drooling, and this is the this is the one for you. That's also what Jake looks like. All right. Merry <laughs> Christmas. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.